0: Good morning. I thought we were going to have a reader, but we didn't. Um, I love hearing Alan Cantrell speak. Uh, He's fantastic. I could listen to him literally all day. I have 20 minutes up here. We had a Bible class on Thursday a few months back, and I went three hours. So I will not go three hours this morning. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, amen to that. Yeah, life, life has been really busy. Uh, you know, and it's easy to get caught into the, the rush, the hustle and bustle of life. This past week, we had a lady who'd been battling cancer for four years. Uh, she gave up and um, she passed away on Wednesday night. And so we had her showing Thursday, and the funeral was Friday. It was uh, relatively rushed. Um, and we're uh, thankful that she lived a faithful life and that she was a Christian and she's off to a better place now. But after we returned home Friday, we were rushed to pack our clothing and material. And we took off and, and headed this way. And we arrived about eight 8.30 uh, Friday evening. And I had forgot most of my material back home because we were rushed. So I spent uh, the evening on my wife's computer uh, typing up the lesson and we were out of ink at the house so this morning I was rushed to come to the church building and print out a hard copy and I found Philip Jenkins who showed up in the office because the office was empty and we printed out a hard copy. You know when you get rushed and you get caught up in life it can be very distracting and it can be very difficult to keep your focus on the right things. This morning, our text is from Acts chapter 14 and verse 27. If you would read this and we'll come back at the end to this text. Now, when the church, when they had come together, gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Many times people get caught in life and being rushed and we can begin to ask questions, is this really worth all of it? I mean, I've put so much time, I've put expenses, I've, I've sacrificed time with my family. Is this truly worth it? Is the gospel message worth it to give so much up? I'm so busy nowadays. I don't have time. I should focus my attention on work or I have ball games coming up. There's so much other things that I would love to enjoy. Is this worth it? I hear that this church has supported other churches and there's ministers that we've raised up and we've supported to put behind the pulpit. I don't see much benefit in that. Why would we do such things? Is it really worth all of it? Well. Today we have an exciting time because there's going to be many speakers who you can see the fruit of your labor. You get to see individuals that you've helped either raised or you've supported who've become men of the gospel. So this is a great opportunity. And with any message that you hear today, I wonder, would it be the same from an early Christian in the first century? All the messages and information that we're told today and the reports that we get back or the sermons that we hear, are they reflection of something that we read in the Bible? Or would they contrast that? See, today, my lesson was Acts 14, 27, and Paul brings a report back, and so I thought I would love to bring back a report of what has taken place in my life, but would that message contrast and contradict uh, what you read in here? It shouldn't. I certainly hope not. But what if you had that luxury to talk to someone from the first century? What if you had the luxury to talk to someone who is actually an apostle? What would he say to you? Pick up with me in Acts chapter 14 and verse 20. Acts chapter 14 and verse 20, we're gonna see that on the next day, Paul departed, or they departed, with Barnabas to Derby. And so they're departing, they go to Derby and what takes place in verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city, they made many disciples. Well, wow, this is an exciting high point in Paul's life. At this point, you would think, let's head home. The, the work is done. We've made many disciples. That's what we were sent to do. And now it's a time that we need to head home. This is a high point. We've reached success. Is that what Paul does? See, in ministry, in your Christian life, in a missionary's life, there's gonna be a lot of mountain peak moments and valley moments, the hard times. And sometimes we can get caught up in reaching those mountain top experiences or having those mountain top moments and saying, okay, that's it, good enough. I mean, there's people being saved. Let's see what Paul does. Look at the rest of 21. They return to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch. I wish we had time to go through the uh, chapter 13 and 14, all of the in detail, but we just don't have that luxury this morning. So I want you to think with me. Paul is at a high moment. A lot of good things are taking place. Many disciples are being made, not some, many disciples are being made, many followers of Christ. And that's our job. And then Paul returns. To the very place that he's ran off, almost stoned, and then he is stoned almost to the point of death. Man, there would really have to be something wrong with an individual to return to a place where you were rejected so much, where you face many enemies, many people who oppose you and don't want you to be in that city. Paul goes marching right back to those places. Why? I think if we think back to the Great Commission in Mark sixteen, fifteen and Matthew twenty eight, nineteen and twenty, we see that we're called to go into all the world and we are to uh, have the imperative verb of the command to make disciples, and that's done by going, baptizing, and teaching. Paul realized that these Christians needed further instruction. They needed further teaching. They needed to be strengthened, encouraged, and then told the truth. I don't know if that's what we do nowadays, because when things seem to get tough and then we have the highlight moment, we say, okay, that's good enough. I don't wanna go back to where I was before. That was too hard. But Paul truly believes in his mission. Paul truly believes in the gospel and that it can save. So he heads right back to the place where it was very uncomfortable, undesirable, and he wasn't welcomed because the church needed him. So he heads right back to the place because they needed further work. And we can see that he does three things. Look at verse 22. He's strengthening the souls of the disciples, um, they needed this strength because if you look back at Acts 14, chapter 2, uh, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. So they're going to need this strength against these false teachers during this time. He's uh, strengthening the souls. He's exhorting them to continue in the faith. This is very similar terminology to John 15, one through 7, abide in the vine, continue in the faith, grow spiritually, continue to do uh, the work to uh, uh, transform your life into the image of Christ. And so he's encouraging uh, them to do those things. And then Paul says something very interesting. Look at the last part of verse 22. And we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Does that sound like modern day um, Christianity in America? Does that sound like the wealth, health, and prosperity gospel preached or the one that you see on television? If you were to ask Paul as he's preaching the gospel to you, Paul, I believe in the things that you're saying about God and I would like to become a follower of Christ. Well, what does that mean? Paul would say, it's hard. It means you might get stoned. It means that you might lose a lot of privileges in society that you once had. It might mean that you lose family and friends that you were once close to. There's gonna be a lot of tribulations and a lot of trials in a Christian's life. But Paul says, it's worth it. It is worth it. We must, through many tribulations, here's the reward, enter the kingdom of God. And Paul puts a big we there. As he's talking to the infant congregation and the new converts, he says, we, both you and I, must face these hard times. And it's only then that we can enter the kingdom of God. I spent part of the morning yesterday uh, getting to talk to, other individuals who are preaching or on mission work. And many times we can lose sight of, you know, are the things that we're supporting or the missionaries that we've sent out, are people actually getting their hands dirty in the lives of doing the work of the church? Are these things actually happening? And I got to talk to Amy and Nick. They might not be in the most desirable place, but they're doing the work. And I hope with all that we've discussed thus far, I hope that that begins to give you a little encouragement. Because when life is rushed, we spend these Sundays to actually slow down and to reload and to refresh ourselves. The things that we're doing are worth it. Now look at verse... uh, 23 with me, because Paul's going to appoint elders in every church, and he prayed with fasting. They commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed, and verse 24 through 26, we'll read next. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Now when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they completed." Are we people who complete our task? Remember Revelation chapter three, verses two and three, the church at Sardis, Jesus said, do you not know that your works are dead? You need to get up and to finish and complete those tasks. You have a good name among the people, but your works are dead. Finish those works. Do those things. And in Acts 14, we see that those works are spiritually strengthening the souls of Christians. Do we make disciples preach the gospel and leave people weak and vulnerable? Are we completing those tasks that we've been sent to do in making disciples are we people who finish the work look at verse 27 with me now because at this point we read this text earlier now when they had come and gathered the church together uh, in putting verse 26 together as well you can see that they have completed the work they've headed home they're going to uh, the congregation that sent them out by the Holy Spirit and so they return home and you can see that this would be a very celebratory moment. There's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot of things to be cheerful for. And maybe it's in these moments. For a Christian, for a missionary, for a preacher, deacon, elder, wife, Sister, then we're striving, we're doing a lot of good. We're facing a lot of hardships and we're suffering for the cause of Christ. It's real easy to let pride and some arrogance and maybe some praise from people seep into our lives because people begin to give us the credit and they say, man, you've really done an excellent job and, and you might think for a moment, you know what, i I have. Man, I've sacrificed a lot. I've done a lot of things that uh, weren't desirable, and I've been places that most people wouldn't want to go. You know what? I deserve some of the accolades. Look at verse eight and following when Paul's in Lystra. In Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a crippled man from his mother's womb had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently, seeing that he had faith to be saved and said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now, when the people saw that what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas, they called Zeus Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice, um, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. Think about Paul's position. He's been rejected. He's been suffering. Almost in one location, he's stoned. He has to uh, face a bar Jesus, a false prophet. I mean, he's had a lot of disappointing moments. Maybe just for this one moment, hey, let him sacrifice. I'll tell him later. You know what? I deserve a little credit for what I've done. Look what Paul's response is. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes, ran in among the multitudes, crying out and saying, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God. You want to look up to the sky and talk about deity? Talk about the one true living God who is the one who gives you life, who is the one who sustains you. You don't make God, he makes you. If you wanna sacrifice anything, sacrifice your lives. So when he had, verse 27 of chapter 14, when he had gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them. Look at chapter 15, verse four, and they reported all things that God had done with them. Chapter 15, verse 12, Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. Paul was so excited about what God had been doing that he couldn't hold it in. He was just telling everyone about it. And it's that these times that the church has gathered together and you begin to wonder, is the support worth it? Are the things taking place in other counties uh, really beneficial? Are there other people doing the work of the church in other areas? And Paul brought back the report and he said to the people, God is working. God is opening up these doors. What do I hope to accomplish with this for you? At Ware Branch, when I typically close a lesson, um, I want to condense everything that I've said and give some people something that they can take home. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to call it. Uh, I usually call it a pocket-sized lesson. It's everything i've said that you can put in your pocket take home and look at it later if you need so what do i hope to accomplish with this lesson this morning from this particular text the wages have definitely been worth it the laborers are worthy of the finances that have been spent to have them continue the work even though you didn't go physically you still were a participant in the mission. You still are a benefactor in the fruit of everything that takes place in all of the ones that we've sent out, all of the ones that we've raised up. Turn your Bibles now to, first, or to Philippians chapter one, verses three through five, and this is where we'll close. Philippians chapter one. Paul says, starting in verse three, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Your efforts here in Mount Juliet Are worth it. The time, the effort, is all worth it. Why? Because heaven is worth it. Saving souls is worth it. Working with God is worth it. My report from Ware Branch. The gospel's preached souls are being saved, spirits are being strengthened, people are being encouraged to continue in the faith. God is busy and I'm just trying to keep up. If you have any needs this morning, if you are struggling as a Christian and maybe you need to ask for prayers from the church We would love to pray with you and for you and an elder will come forward or an individual, one of the ministers will come forward and they'll pray for you, pray with you. But maybe you've never fully jumped in to being a follower of Christ and participating in any good work that's taking place. You have many avenues that you can participate this morning in, in this church. And the best one is to become a Christian this morning. If you're not a Christian, we encourage you to become one this morning. Be baptized into Christ because you are created in Christ Jesus for good works. We would love to help you in any way. If you have a need, come as we stand and we sing.